Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. I have to tell you something, people. You know I'm a big hockey fan. I love the hockey playoffs. But it's a sad day because I'm watching it on this weekend, and my Flyers, who started off bad, they lost. So they're out of it. And then I also like the Kings because I live in L.A. They lost. So they're out of it. So I'm thinking of what team to root for, and I'm sitting there thinking that, you know what? I'm going to root for the New York Islanders. And I know being a Flyers fan all my life, that's a hard bite to do, but... They, they haven't been good lately, and, and it's not like rooting for the Penguins. So I'm going to root for the Flyers. And people, if you aren't watching playoff hockey, you really need to be because it's some of the best, just it's some of the best entertainment. So anyway, I know uh, we have a great guest today. I know he's an ex-basketball player, and I'm guessing he's a sports fan. And my, my guest is Kyle Secor. How you doing, Kyle Secor? I'm good. How you doing, Steve? Good, man. So, so no, you, are you a, you're a big sports fan? I, I am, and it, it's a really funny thing. What, what happened to Chicago? Is Chicago still in there, or are they gone? They lost um, in to the Blues. They lost to the Blues. Boy, oh, boy, because I was over at a friend of mine's house. I, I was dropping off my daughter for a sleepover, and he's a Chicago fan, and he was watching the two games ago, the one that they won. And they and they, and, and he, he could barely talk to me. He's a, he's a guy who's probably... 45, 46, 40. he was like a 10-year-old. He couldn't talk to me. He says, you know, it was almost like he had, he, you, you got to get out of here so I can get back to my game. I gotta, and he was, uh, and, and, and I went in and watched it with him for a bit, and the, the tide had changed, and the other team was was really pressing Chicago, and he told me to leave because I had, I had brought bad luck to his team, and then they scored, and he said I could stay, but... It's so funny when people do that. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge football fan. So is my girlfriend. Yeah. And we'll watch the Eagles at home unless they're like down. If I live in Burbank. So sometimes if they're uh, not national TV, we go down the street to a place called Black Angus because no one's ever in there. And we watch it and we get into it. But, you know, we're not fanatical. Like when I mean, it, it's one of those things we enjoy the game. Are we right. irritated when they lose? Yes. Right. But are we going to sit there? Are you superstitious? No, oh no, that's what's crazy. I mean, I sit there. I have a bunch of different jerseys. So does she. I don't. I I know someone. I have a. I know a guy who we every year we have a Super Bowl party, and he's a Patriots fan, and he wouldn't come over when the Patriots are playing in the Super Bowl. And I said, why? He goes, I just, I just can't take it. I'm like, dude, it's a party. (laughs) It's only a game. You're 50. You know, we're we're 50 year old men. We should be going crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Only in front of my own TV. Exactly. Only on, if I'm wearing red. Uh, do, uh, what, is Sam Bradford going to stick around? You know what? Um, it's rumors that he wants to be traded. Uh-huh. Uh, in all honesty, I, I, I wanted the Eagles to keep him and pick up Ezekiel as a running back because uh-huh. the kid out of Ohio State's great. Honestly, yeah. I, he'll get the signing bonus, but I don't think anyone else is going to pay him the money. So if he leaves, it costs him $11 million. I don't know these quarterbacks these days. You know, you know who's your football team? Well, I, you know, it's it's a funny thing because I was raised in Seattle and right. I was a, I was a Seahawks fan because it was it was at the beginning with Jim Zorn, right? I remember Jim him. Zorn, Jim Zorn, right? And Steve uh, Largent, Largent, yeah. yeah. So I was a, a Seahawks fan for a long, long time, and then when I came down to Los Angeles, you know, I was Rams a little bit, and then. They left town, and now it's just now I just look for great games. You know, like like now, like watching the Super Bowl for me. This last Super Bowl was incredible to see the you know the the defense. I who knew that I was going to like enjoy watching a defensive 
uh, t you know, game like that. But that was enjoyable. So I don't really have a team. I'm a man without a team. Well, that's all right, you know. But you're, you're I like the Lakers. Okay, well, you, you know, it's funny because I, I was reading and you're, you, you played, uh, you were a basketball player. Yeah. And what's funny was, and the first thing that came to my mind when I read you're a basketball player and looking at your picture, I thought of Kyle Macy, who played from Kentucky. Oh, okay. Because yeah, Kyle, I, basketball, dark hair, you know. Yeah. My wife's from Kentucky. I didn't watch any Kentucky basketball this year. Well, he's, 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 uh, he was years ago. He was. Oh, he's years ago. There, there. I wouldn't have seen him anyway. Exactly. So, so now you, you were a, a basketball player in high school. Yeah. And you, 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 you were nearsighted. Love the game. Yeah. You know, it's so, you know, look, I, to be transparent, you know, I got on IMDb and I looked at the stuff that was written and go, okay. gosh, I've really got to bone up on myself because, you know, Steve's going to, you know, we're going to go into, you know, talk about <laughs> stuff. And it said extreme nearsightedness. And I thought, oh, really? Was I that? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I played a lot of basketball without wearing glasses and I missed a lot of shots. And I played a lot of basketball with glasses and contacts and missed a lot of shots. So <laughs> I don't know. So now, I really loved basketball. That was my game for a long time. The last game that I played, the very last game I played, uh, was up at George Clooney's house. So was, there, how was that? Drop one name. I'm going to drop, huh? How? It was great fun because we, he and I we played basketball together a lot at the YMCA back in the day when we were all like you know struggling actors. You know, there was unbelievable actors that came through there. You know, playing basketball and and uh, you remember White Men Can't Jump? Yeah. The director played basketball there, and so we all knew each other. He held the, he held the uh, the the tryouts there. For the game, and so it was you know, great. Woody Harrelson would show up and play, and Wesley Snipes, and it, we had just a great group of people that played down there at, at any given time. So anyway, but that's the last basketball game I played, which was about four years ago. So since, <laughs> since you're dropping names, yes, go ahead. Does Clooney have game? Oh, he sure does. Oh man, see, I was hoping you said he sucked because he's so good looking and talented. I'm like, hope you're say, nah, he's he's a hack. But <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing: is that is that. Uh, uh, I remember one time in New York a few years ago, I was working out at a gym and I saw, I was just looking this basketball game and I saw this guy make a move and I went, oh, that's George. Didn't even see his, didn't see his face, just saw the back of his head and he had blonde hair at that time or red hair or something for some role. I went, oh, that's George. And he had a specific way of playing. And I mean, everyone has that certain style and stuff, but, but at the game at his house, I, was, I still thought I was 30 years old playing. So I was doing all this stuff. I was hacking guys because I was getting two inches off the ground, you know. Kind of like, and Clooney, I remember one time, he, George just kind of looked at me and just kind of shook my head. And I went, oh, wow. I've really, I, I, I really have over-considered myself for this particular game. <laughs> so, so when, uh, you know, you're playing basketball in high school and then you're the near, and that's funny because I did read <laughs> IMDb. Which is why you didn't make it into the Air Force. Exactly. Now, now, what? when did you catch the acting bug? And this, was that later in life? Because you loved, uh, later in high school? Because you loved sports so much? Okay, so... So I can I can actually I can actually take it back so far. I caught the acting bug and then lost it for many years, but I caught it in the second grade when my brother got cast as the Pied Piper of Hamlin and I did not. Okay. And 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 I remember helping him with his songs and the girls all, he was like he was like a miniature Beatles revolution at school. The girls all gathered around him and he would sign a little piece of paper 
and autograph it, tape a piece of his hair on it, and sell it for a nickel. And I and I remember like me and my other like bullied friends who were sitting in the mud pit throwing mud at each other would look over, <laughs> look over and go, "That's what I want. I want to be able to do that." And I ended up. I remember uh, I had one line in that play, and it was a it was in a song, and I had this one line that I directed him, and I said, "That's where I'll level him. I'll level him on that line." And there was such anger and rage building up in me throughout the play, <laughs> and you know it was really. If I look back on it now, it was all subtext, which kind of is the way that, you know, when I look back in high school or junior high, when I was writing plays, it was always filled with all of this like, oh, I love that girl and she did so. I'm going to write this play or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm acting in this, but I'm doing this because I hated that person or loved that person or whatever. So there's all this stuff going on. So when I got into acting, uh, when I decided, hey, this is something I want to do, which was in a, like, I went to a junior college to do it at. Um, it was done for the, the most uh, uh, skimpy of reasons, really. It was to uh, uh, go and meet all the girls that were in the program and to somehow be something that I wasn't. Okay. Do something that I wasn't doing. Uh, uh, to, you know, to live a life that I, you know, and what, what, to me, what that was, was that all the stuff that was underneath, all the stuff that was, has, could finally bubble up to the top and I wouldn't get arrested for it. You know, right. I, wouldn't, uh, uh, I could just do it on stage. So that was, you know, and I could, you know, meet a lot of women. That's, that's what that, I mean. That's I, I, my MO for years. I, I, I talked to so many actors who said that, especially guys who played sports before. And then they're like, wait a second. Yeah, they look and they see all these, all the beautiful girls yeah. were in acting. And, you know, and there was a time, I mean, you know, back years ago, a lot of guys didn't take acting in high school. My school had a great theatrical department, but a lot of guys didn't take it. And looking back, I'm thinking, I was a moron, because that's where all the cute girls were hanging out. <laughs> to, to be a, an acting, to go into acting in high school was fraught with all sorts of different, um, boy, uh, you know, got a lot of labels thrown on you. And... Uh, um, I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily like Glee, but, you know, we, the, the guys that acted in high school with me were, you know, we were all like kind of outsiders. We were guys that didn't quite fit in anywhere. I mean, I was, my, my sports career uh, definitely peaked right around the eighth grade. Okay. So by the time I was in 10th grade, I was barely making it onto the track team, which took anybody. And, uh, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, I got, you know, tossed out off the basketball team for doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, and I, and so what, where I ended up was in this, you know, in this acting thing, which I wasn't going to do anyway by the time high school got done with, because I, I grew up in a very small town and no one did anything with acting. We just, it, it, there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't some sort of blueprint of you, oh, you're going to be acting at Federal Way High School. Then from there, you'll go to this place and you have that kind of support. My parents thought it was a crazy thing for me to be doing. Um, they just thought it was a thing I did in high school and, you know, so they didn't, there was no support there because they just didn't, you know, they were, they were worker bees. Now, when did you decide that you were going to pursue this as a career? Uh, well, it was when I was involved in, in a very lucrative career of being a, a pizza maker at Shakey's. Okay. They have good and, mojos. Yeah. And, and, uh, and a buddy of mine was doing a play at this college, and I went and saw him, and I saw what he was doing, and I, I kind of felt that 
kind of that real that joy that I felt in high school. And I also saw some pretty girls, and I went, okay, I'm going to do this. And the one guy, the guy who ran the program, there was only one guy, and he was from Yale. And he said to me, he said, uh, I want you to find out everything you can about Laurence Olivier. So he sort of set me on this program of study, of studying this one actor. So everything I did in junior college was, was emulating Olivier. So no matter what role I did, it was I was going to approach it through, you know, what, what if Lawrence did this, Sir Lawrence did right. this. <laughs> and, and I ended up um, doing pretty well at that. And, um, and I, you know, I read a lot of books that they didn't, you know, they weren't, you know, stuff, you know, the books, the great books by Stanislavski. And, and I, I did a lot of stuff on my own. And, uh, and I, won a, uh, I won a statewide uh, junior college drama competition, and I won $500. And I looked at that and I went, man, I can really have a lot of fun in Los Angeles, and I can really make a go. I'll, this is, this is going to be my acting money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took my $500 in the whatever car I was driving, and I, and I drove down to Los Angeles and sort of started from there. And... Uh, didn't really work for about six years, and before I started getting some some work, but I, you know, I would do theater and you was, know, a couple of short film here and there. And I was going to say, what were you doing during that six years? What were you doing to support yourself? And I always ask my guests, where did you first move when you moved to L.A.? Because it's oh, changed yeah. so much in the years. Where was your first apartment when you got down here? Right, I, I, I um, it was in Westwood, and I lived in a small small little apartment uh it wasn't my own there were maybe four other roommates and uh, i i worked at different things i delivered uh i was a liquor delivery boy i was uh you know i worked at um restaurants i didn't i never lasted long at restaurants i wasn't really very good at waitering or uh anything like that and uh, i worked for the uh, the 1984 olympics um, I, I drove around all of the different for the uh, for the arts festival. So I drove, drove around all these incredible artists from all around the world, um, and uh, and that was really inspiring. And um, and then I was a yoga teacher. I taught yoga. So now now when did you start getting auditions? I mean, was it did it take you a while to get an agent? Because yeah. sometimes people it takes a while. And back then it, it wasn't as I, I try to explain to people. It's so much easier to contact someone now. You know, back then, I always say, like, I would never have had my show back then because I can mm. contact you on Facebook or I can tweet someone. And, right. but, but agents, you know, it was such a process. How long did it take you to get an agent? Uh, yeah, I mean, I initially got an agent. I was doing a production of Hamlet, and a guy, the guy who was playing Hamlet said, you know, I'd like, you know, you should meet my agent. The agent kind of took me on, never signed me or anything, just kind of like, you know, looked after me. I remember just getting, you know, a couple of little auditions here and there. And then I ended up doing um, a play at the Pasadena um, Playhouse. And it was when it was newly opened back in 1986. And I did a, a play called Look Homeward Angel. And Sean Cassidy was in it. And we played brothers. And I got an agent out of that. Um, and I've stayed with them for all of these years. That's amazing. I mean, it's just, yeah. that means they're a good agent. So, yeah. so you're getting you're, you're getting out in auditions, right? And then you finally your first big role is Santa Barbara. First big role is Santa Barbara. Now, concurrently, I got a um, a Three Musketeers commercial. Okay, and that was the bigger deal. 
Because Santa Barbara, I got fired after three months. Why'd you get fired? Um, I don't really know. I thought I was pretty good. Uh, but they had to, but you know, either you, at that point, at that time, I'd heard a lot of uh, people say that you either stayed on or they fired you after three months. And I got, I was one of the guys that got fired after three months. But what happened is that this, this commercial that I'd shot ran for three or four years. We ended up shooting about five different commercials. So every year I got my FU money. Right. right? That, that, that was the money that allowed me to, uh, you know, for me, soap operas, I put those on the lower shelf. I was now moving on to movies and to, uh, tell, you know, uh, regular uh, network gigs. And so that's what I wanted to, to do. And that was around 80, 87, something like that, 88. And I, and I started working in films and TV pretty, pretty quickly, right around that time. Now, what was the three musketeer? Were, were you a musketeer or what was it? I, I, I remember yeah, all these. Yeah, no, I was a musketeer, but we were like hip musketeers. This was like updated 19... 19- in fact, you can find these. You can find the commercials on YouTube. I think it was just like uh, my daughters asked about things that I'd done. I go, well, maybe I can find this. And of course, you can find anything. And it's on YouTube. And it's uh, uh, it's three kind of hip guys with you know. And I had very loud hair, and you know those uh, uh, wire rim frames. And we were uh, you know pork pie hats, and you know we were. Cool guys. Where were the, now, did, have you, did the other actors go on to keep acting? You know, they did. Uh, they did. And, um, gosh, <laughs> I, you know, I wish I, would lo- I could look up their names and, because you would re- probably recognize both of them. But I can't remember their names at this point. So you're a musketeer. You get fired from Santa Barbara. Yeah, get fired from but, Santa yeah, Barbara. But you're making that commercial money, so you can't complain because it's like, hey, right. you know, you're making the FU money. So, right. so I immediately went off and I did, um, uh, um, I, I got, uh, I got a, um, a pilot that shot up in Vancouver that Tony Richardson was the director of. And Tony Richardson then after that was going on to direct Anthony and Cleopatra with uh, John Goodman, Gary Cole, uh, Anthony Heald, and a number of terrific actors. And, uh, and I ended up getting a, a role in that. Um, and from there, uh, I, I started getting some more attention from people uh, in the business and, you know, started working a bit more. I got Santa Barbara at that. I mean, not Santa Barbara, St. Elsewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny. I was, you know, St. Elsewhere was such a good show. And I was watching, yeah. there's, there's a great show right now um, called The 80s. It's on CNN. Mm-hmm. And all their things are great. And, and they went in about, the first episode was about the TV. And they said about Hill Street Blues and and then St. Elsewhere. What was that like? Because it was that was like a really different show for that time. It was it was more realistic. So I think we were stuck then in that whole, you know, like the shows, the dramas were one and done. You know, it was like right. I had the story. And St. Elsewhere actually was running with different characters, and they addressed stuff like when Mark Harmon left and different stuff like it addressed stuff. What was it like working on a very innovative show? You must have been pretty happy to have been casted, getting cast oh. in that. Yeah, it was incredible because it was the last season. And I did a, uh, I did a series, I did like 10 episodes, 11 episodes, and I was a character, and it was the first character that had had, um, that they, they, they took from the beginning of him, the, the discovery that he had uh, HIV, okay, and to the end. So it went over uh, 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 the arc of that series. And Tom Fontana was one of the executive producers on the show, which, you know, he ended up going, we ended up doing Homicide together. 
And for me, they had all these amazing actors, you know, Denzel Washington and Ed Bagley Jr. and any number of other wonderful actors had been doing this for a while. And they were, um, they, they, they were as excited about what they were doing that year as they were the first year. And um, it was really, that was a great experience. That was a killer experience for me. So, that I even got that I even got through. I remember leaving the audition, walking out, taking the script, and tearing it apart and throwing it into the trash, and just believing I had, you know, blew it, and uh, and got that. And now, now when that role after that series played, because it was also a, a character as you said with AIDS, one of the first characters mm-hmm. like that. Were you, did you get some? Were you getting heat around LA? Were people going, hey, you know, this guy, this guy's someone we got to watch out for. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I, and uh, I, I had a, a, a PR person at the time. I remember doing a lot of interviews and, you know, the whole thing, getting, you know, photo shoots and being invited places and, uh, you know, and, and, but for me, I just wanted to get the work. I just wanted to be working on good things with good people and, um, and that started happening for me. So it, that was... That was it was it was a really fun time, really fun time, and I, and and doing the play, and you know being able to do theater and being able to do film and TV all at once was uh, it, it, I, that was my dream, well, yeah. and I was, I was living it. Because you look at your your you know your resume, you know you, you know Sleeping with the Enemy, City mm. Slickers, some great movies, you know. Right. I mean, and I mean they're all good movies. I always think you know I always cracked up about Sleeping with the Enemy though. I said yeah. if she had just thrown that uh, ring somewhere else instead of inside the toilet, he would have never found her. And then the movie would have been five minutes and no one would have been in it. No one would have gone to see it. Right. But, but now, okay, so you're acting and, you know, I saw you, you know, so how does the Homicide uh, audition come up? And, and what's funny is when Homicide came out, I was so excited because I've always been a huge Patty Levinson fan since okay. Diner, since everything. And Homicide, you know, it was once again, you know, how St. Oscar was a different show. Homicide was a very gritty show. It wasn't what people are used to seeing the whole the cuts and angles like that. Did you ha- did you have to fight for that audition, or how did that whole audition come about? I had I was I, I was over in Germany, and I was at a uh, a theater workshop that was being held in a s- small town in Germany, and I got a call from my agent saying. They needed me to come back to audition for this role. And I said, there's no way because I'm over here working on my art and there's no way I'm going to do that. And so they said, okay, this will go away. And I said, that's fine. So so I ended up coming back. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know that Tom Fontana was involved in it, who had been on St. Elsewhere and and uh, and I came back, and they said, uh, you know, come on in for the, uh, this role. They're going to see you for this role now, not the role that we you were going to go in on before. So I went in and read it, and and then they I came back and I met with Tom and with Barry, and it was the easiest thing in the world. It was the easiest thing in the world. They said we want you to do this, and I said I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do TV. I'm, gosh, I'm 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 starting to have a film career. You know, now right. it's, that's, that's, it's not even a, people go back and forth so easily now. But then it was, hey, if you've done some films, you've got a film career going on, you want to move that way. So for me, it was, you know, now it was film. But 
But then Tom said to me, you know, I've got, we've got this idea for this sixth episode. And he told me what the idea for the episode would be. And it was just be me and the character that um, Andre Brower was playing in a room, in an interrogation room with one guy. And he told me about it, and I went, okay, I've got to do this. Because what I felt was, there's no way this goes beyond one year. Okay. There's no way it goes beyond the six episodes. How, how you've laid out this show, there's no way anyone's going to watch this. But it's so doggone good. And that episode, I would be crazy not to do that one episode. So I signed on because of the one episode. And, and then it you know, went on for seven, about seven years. And now you were on from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, what was it? I mean, I know uh, both Polito and Reed Diamond have been on the show. And they said it was very different shooting in Baltimore because, mm. like, the, MB, the the brass wasn't showing up in Baltimore. I heard it was a very loose set. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There there was... Uh, they didn't show up. They, they let, uh, you know, us have sort of the run of it. It became like the Wild West down there. It's so funny. I love John. I love John, Polito, and Reed. They, they were great to have down there. And, uh, and it, 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 it was so, so... We didn't have any security, so there was no separation between the people on the streets and us. There was no one that was walking us from our trailer over here. You know, there's nothing like that. So it was, it was complete havoc. And they wanted it that way. They wanted uh, us, in a way, not to be able to, you know, tell the difference between, you know, guys on the street and guys that were on the, you know, that were, you know, on film. And, uh, and David Simon set that up from the get-go. The first day we got there, he took us to where these all these big drug deals were going down, and we sat there and we watched these drug deals going down. He just wanted us to soak that up. And... Um, you know, they and they shot it in a way that after the first year it was really uns- they couldn't support shooting it the, they, the way they did in the first year because a lot of people wrote in and said that they would get sick while watching the show because of what the camera was doing because the camera was just all over the place. Right, that's what and I there remember. Was no sense of continuity. <laughs> hey, now they do it all the time. It's amazing how you know right. it started right. off then. So now, what was it like working with uh, Andre Brower? Because his character is so intense. And yeah. that must be, you know, when, you, when you're when you two actors and you're both great actors, it must be great to work with someone whose character is intense because you can feed off it. But it also must be like, when do you know when it's, when do you know when you're done shooting? I mean, does it ever, did you ever get the lines crossed? Like, you know, because you, you still got to keep into the character. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, well, Andre's, you know, he's just, uh, he's a singular actor. He's, I think, I can't even remember what episode it was. It was, you know, somewhere around the first or second episode that, that there was a scene and, and he did something and everyone's jaws just dropped. And I went, I went, oh man, look what I'm acting with. And this guy just tore up the scene. And I think it was even Polito. I think it was Polito that said, "I smell an Emmy." Okay. And that was a foreshadowing of you know of, of the awards that he got for that show because he was just unbelievable. But but when the camera turned off, you know, we would certainly talk about 
what we were doing in the scenes, what we, you know, what we would like to do. But no, nah, he was, you know, we had a lot of, we messed around a lot. We, we, we had a lot of fun on that show. And it didn't really cross, you know, it didn't really cross lines, although there was a lot. I mean, look, if you talk with Polito and Reed, you know, there was a lot of intensity on in that show. We had people went after each other on that show. We had people coming, at, you know, we had producers coming after actors. Uh, you know, we had actors picking up knives and going after producers. We had, you didn't even have to, uh, the, the, the animosity and the love and the uh, camaraderie and the, and, the, and the sense of things fraying at the edges, which is all Baltimore, uh, it was all there. There was very little acting that needed to be done. <laughs> but, but when the cameras were off, the people that really liked each other hung out with each other. Right. Now, yeah. So, yeah. so now, now after you know, it runs for six seasons. Yeah. And as you say, you know, you only signed on for one. Yeah. And you thought, okay, I'll be done by episode six. Yeah. So then you sit there and you get immersed with this great project. Mm-hmm. How did you know it was canceled? And then what were your feelings when that happened? I mean, well, we we knew by the last. I think we knew at the very at the beginning of the last season that, the, that this that this would be it. And and by the second of the last season, I had uh, started. Well, actually, the th- third to the last season, I'd started directing. So I was directing. I directed three episodes, and I, for me, uh, I was really looking at it now as as sort of an education for me as a director, and um, uh, because as an actor. I kind of reached uh, sort of my, my limit with it. Not that there wasn't anything more to do because there was more, of course, more writing to be done and all of that on the show. But it, I was actually, I was okay with it being canceled. Um, I think I took it for granted because now when people talk about Homicide, oh, we love you, I really go, wow, you know what? I miss that show. We did some amazing stuff on there. We really... Um, you know, we really burned some trails. So, but we found out about the beginning of the, the last year, last season, that it was going to be over with. Now, what made you want to try to do the, go into the directing part? Was it, because that's, I, I see like a lot of times people who are on a series for a long time, they can sit there and since you were there from day one, they can use that as a, somewhat of a bargaining chip to do it. Mm. But what, what fascinated you about directing? And because a lot of times people are like, nah, I just want to act. I mean, what, were you just intrigued by directing or what happened? No, uh, what I uh, what I was what I was I, I did it because I, I, I thought there was a problem and that uh, I, I had a solution to that problem. <laughs> and the problem was is that uh, they brought on some incredible directors on the show, but they also brought on directors and God bless them because they would look for um, guys out of college and universities that had their you know their thesis films. And that had gotten some awards, or they were, that they really liked, and so they would ha- they would bring these guys on with no experience, other than what they'd done there. Now, some of these these directors have gone on and done some terrific things, but uh, some of them did not. And what would happen is you have actors on our show that had tons of experience, and then you have someone come in who's you know, it's a it's a network show, and they don't. It, what would happen is, is the set started becoming very, uh, uh, there was a lot of anarchy on the sets. <laughs> there was a lot of anarchy. 
uh, sometimes between the actors and the directors, and there was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of that, and it was difficult. And I remember thinking, you know, something I could throw, I could at least throw a better party, right? And that's that was purely my only reason for directing is that I wanted to throw a better party, and and so I asked, and they said yes, you know, go ahead, and then um, you know, did a couple more after that, and I had a great time. It was. It was it was a lot of fun. Once after you know, I got over the initial thing of directing my fellow actors, uh, some of whom didn't appreciate me, you know, directing right. them. I would always think that it would be like, wait a second, man, I was just in a scene with you. Now you're gonna tell me what to do? Yeah. You know, get the hell yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, and you know, a couple of them not coming out of their trailers initially. <laughs> so, but but that that was the truly the reason why I went and decided to direct. Now the season, the show's over, and yeah. now you're leaving from you know as I said, working with a great cast. I mean, mm-hmm. talent, talent, and now you have to go out and somewhat, you know, test the market as to what you're going to do. So, so what do you do as an actor? Because you come out as you were, you you come from an intense show, so people probably think, well, this guy's you know, intense as all hell. What do you do to try to re- not reinvent yourself, but how do you sit there and start looking to get work and how do you pick your projects that you want to do because you were coming from having great actors and you probably want to find a project that will suit your acting needs too. Yeah, yeah. You know, gosh, you know, it, it, it's... Sometimes just talk, we're talking about this. It feels so haphazard sometimes. I didn't have a, I didn't have a plan. My plan after homicide was I, there wasn't a plan. It was just there was a sense of I'm, gosh, I feel like I'm done as an actor. I feel like I'd been wrung out, kind of, you know, as an actor. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I, I I I kind of had this inkling that I wanted to direct. Maybe I would direct, and I, I looked into that a, a bit, and uh, and then that kind of went by the wayside. And then in the midst of these. You know, making my decisions like that of, oh, what am I going to do? You know, then Party of Five showed up, and I did uh, some episodes of Party of Five and had a great time there. And then, and then there was another project um, where uh, it was about the, you know, the whole beat era and, and Jack Kerouac and and uh, um, and all of that. And 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 it was a sm- small film being shot down in Mexico City, and. Uh, and I ended up going off there and doing that, and it was a character role, and that sort of got me back into uh, the sense of what I was, what, why I wanted to be an actor, and it was to do these kinds of character parts, and to really, you know, kind of delve deep into the characters, and um, and so I did that, and and that kind of got me back on a roll of, you know, wanting to kind of continue acting, and. Um, and then we end up, you know, we, we end up, look at me, I'm looking at my IMDB thing right now, going, oh, that was beat. The next thing I did was Homicide the Movie. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same place yeah, as I'm you like, too. Homicide the Movie. <laughs> now, <laughs> well, that, you know, now, when you were in Party of Five, did people start recognizing you a lot too? Because that's a whole different group than who's watching Homicide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. They they did. I I got stopped on the the, the street quite a bit, and uh, and uh, and I was always a little bit. Hmm, I, don't know, I was always a, a little bit embarrassed by that. I guess because I I always. I, I mean, what I say now is that I'm a pretty shy person. I, I'm not really. I don't go out and uh, make.
don't hang out around industry people. I don't uh, you really network that much. I, 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 I'm kind of more shy. And so when people would come up and talk, talk to me, although I appreciated it and I, I enjoyed you know, being recognized, there was another part of me was just, oh my gosh, I, 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 I don't want to leave my house. Right. And it wasn't even, I, I, it wasn't even up to the scale of someone like you know George Clooney or or anyone else. It was just it was it was just me who was on a show that had you know so so ratings. So uh, anyway, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it's oh, definitely. Yeah. So now, now you were uh, also in the Philly, which was a Botchko show. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I grew up ten minutes outside of Philly, New Jersey. Um, that lasted for one season, I think. One season. Now, was that yeah. surprising because it had a strong cast and it was Botchko? Is that one of those things where you sign up and you go, you know what, I got three or four years out of this? Yeah. You know, I do, it, well, well, so connecting it up, I'd done City of Angels, which is also a Botchko show. So he called me up and he said, you want to do this, uh, this character on Philly? And he told me a little bit about him and, and told, you know, what my um, involvement would be in the series. And I said, yeah, that sounds, you know, that sounds pretty good. That, that, that would be, you know, that would be a good thing to do. I, I hadn't done anything like that before. And I really liked working with him. And, uh, and you know, we did that. And, 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 and it, we did it right after I'd come back from this pretty intense trip to India. And a lot had changed in my life. I'd gone with the woman that I was going to marry, and uh, and a lot had changed, and um, and so Philly, when it ended, and we thought we all thought it was going to go for four or five seasons. When it ended, again, I was ready to go on and do something else. I, I was not. I, I didn't rue the day that it ended for for myself. Of course, for the cast and crew, you know, everyone wants it to go on longer. Everyone does. So. so I mean, so it ends, and then you start acting, and then you end up in Commander in Chief. Which, yeah, do you ever sit there? That's the one. That's the one I thought would go for eight seasons. Well, I uh, what's uh, Anthony Azizi was in that. Anthony, he did your show. Yeah, and he said the same thing. He said after the first season, the ratings were so great. He went and bought a house in Hancock Park, and then he went, "Holy crap!" <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all did. Now, we all did. when you. Yeah. Like it was, uh, you know, when the, with the first couple episodes, we were number one rated show, and we went, yes, right. yes, they did it. This is the, you know, this is our Hillary Clinton moment back in the day of, you know, that she was going to, you know, and, 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 and it was going to change things. And, uh, and this was, and the writing was so good, and, you know, we had Rod Laurie, and, and, uh, and we thought, and, and it was just a hellacious first season. It just, we went through three different executive producers, showrunners. Ended up with Stephen Bochco as the last one. <laughs> now, how is that as the actor when they keep changing stuff? That must be sort of like a baseball team where you have a pitching coach and well, then he's sitting there and then they go, okay, we're going to take him out. So then another pitching coach comes in and says, you know what? We're going to throw you for 80 innings. And then another guy comes in and says, hey, we're going to throw you for 120 innings. It must just throw your game off as actors and it must be a very tense set because it, it sort of reminds me of probably like something when you're walking on eggshells. Yeah, it was. It was um, because with Rod, we knew where we were going. He was he was heading it up, and 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 he had such a passionate vision, such a passionate vision, and he and that affected all of us in a very deep uh, deep way. And he uh, 
you know, and he wanted to write all the episodes. He wanted to direct them all. He wanted to do, you know, all of that because he was so passionate about it. And it was, again, it became this thing where that just, you know, we got a bit behind uh, in the first, you know, few episodes. And, and we started kind of going off the air for a couple of weeks here and there. And we just ended up losing our audience. And then uh, after that, I think then they brought on. Oh, then they brought on Bochco after that, and then they brought on someone else after Bochco. So they 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 had Bochco on for maybe four episodes, and then someone else. And no one found a rhythm. It was uh, it was it was really disappointing. Oh, very disappointing. Yeah, now looking back on that, don't you sort of, especially nowadays, isn't it weird for you to sit there and think that you played a. Right. The husband, and now I mean, it looks like we're going to have a female president. It must yeah. be we. It must be cool to sit there and think, you know, you were sort of involved in a groundbreaking show that is like back then people were probably like, you know, Hillary is popular, but you know, people are like, oh, we're not going to have a woman president. Well, now you know, it must be something pretty cool to look back on. Yeah, there was all sorts of conspiracy theory things going on. Is that the, the commander in chief? It was you know, it was kind of. A lot of it, the, the failure for it is, is because someone somewhere didn't want it going on because they were afraid of Hillary becoming president. So they wanted this show to sink so that they wouldn't, you know, so everyone could go, ah, you see, a female president can't do it. Right. <laughs> if that makes any difference with a TV show. <laughs> so uh, there was all sorts of, you know, conspiracy theories surrounding it and all but the, the, the main thing is it just it was just poorly managed from the get-go now as an actor yeah. you know it must be somewhat frustrating because you know you're involved with these two series that have names connected to it great mm-hmm. cast and it's like anything you know you think that they're going to go a few seasons mm-hmm. how do you rebound as an actor when you sit there i mean it must be something where you go it's not me, but am I choosing the projects wrong? Or I mean, how right. as an actor and with your management team, how do you guys sit there and go, okay, we got to do something different because it's a complete crapshoot? That's exactly what that's exactly what I felt. I, you know, I remember it was about the middle of the season, and I saw the the writing on the wall, and I you know I just said you know I've got to do something else. I've got to start. I've got to finish a couple of script ideas that I have, and just start. You know, ha- juggling some other balls in the air because the acting thing itself, because of that, that it's such a crapshoot and you don't know. I've been looking at this that I'm just an actor, maybe a director, but just an actor. And I've got to look at it in a different way. I've got to become more of a, you know, now, nowadays it's, it's, it's a given. I mean, people are actors. They've got something on YouTube. They're selling product lines. They're, you know, inspirational speakers. They're, you know, they're doing so many different things. They're producing, they're, they're writing, they're doing, you know, everyone's doing a lot of different things uh, in order to just, you know, because you have more platforms now. And that, the, the, it was starting back then, there were some then, but, but this is when I looked at him and went, okay, I've got to do more. I've just got to do more because I don't know if, if this, the acting thing is, you know, just going to be the one thing that's going to do it for me. So, you know, and I haven't been a regular on a series since then. Now, looking through my IMBD here, that's 10 years. So, Steve, can we do something about this, please? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what, did you, what, 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 what avenue did you decide to take? Uh, I, well, I've, I've continued to write uh, and have come 
close to selling things but haven't sold anything. There's a web series that I that, that I wrote uh, written recently that uh, I found another actor. It's a, a two-hander, and so the idea is to start shooting that sometime in the middle of summer. And uh, you know, so that's 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 what I'm doing. I I, I write some. Uh, I, you know, I continue to keep my hooks in there. I went through this pilot season, you know, we go out and audition and stuff. And, and I continue to, you know, try to make my own stuff. I'm writing a book. So now what's, what's your book about? I mean, I mean, sit there now, how do you get an idea of a book? Is, is it a, is it a fiction? Is it a nonfiction? Is it, cause I wrote a cookbook. I mean, I just, cause I had a heart That's problem great. and I just what, put it together. What book did you write about? What's that? What, 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 what was the focus of the a cookbook? What was the, uh, aside from cooking, it's, what it's, kind of food? It's called Stop the Salt because uh, four years ago, about four years ago, I was went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I had congestive heart failure. Uh-huh. And that comes from a very fluid buildup and it comes from sodium. So I had to learn to change my diet. I really, I'm, as right. I said, you know, I'm, I'm like this, this, there's a soup Nazi on Seinfeld. I'm like the salt Nazi. <laughs> because I sat there and I started really reading labels and looking stuff and seeing how, you know, the, you know, you get you get a soup and it says it's low sodium and you're like, oh, cool, it's a low sodium soup, but it's a can of soup and you read the milligrams, you go, oh, this is pretty good, and then you see a can, the can of soup is two servings. Well, I don't know anybody who opens a can of chunky soup and just sits there and doesn't eat the whole thing. You know, because it's right. like, you know, so they go, oh, I'll have half of this. Because you can't even, how are you going to store it? You know, you're not going to heat it. And so I just, I sat down and I self-published it. And I said, you know what? I, I'm going to do this because it's cooking for one. I mean, I knew how to cook, but it was for basic. There's no, as I say, there's no pictures in it. So people don't get intimidated. And it's easy recipes. And, and you know, and I would do them. And it sold a whopping maybe 80 copies. But... It was right, right. it was something on that list where when I got out of the hospital, I said, you know, I can talk about doing something or I can do it. And so yeah. many of us talk about doing stuff. And now, as you said earlier, with all the platforms we have, YouTube and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it cost me like 75 bucks to write a book. I mean, because with your create space and stuff like that. Yeah. So what, what's your book about? Well, the tentative title is Meditating While I'm Drunk. Okay. <laughs> and it's uh, you know it's um, it, 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 as of right now what it is it's just a, it's a, a series of stories from my life that sometimes touch upon uh, my acting career sometimes touch upon my life beforehand touch upon uh, um, stories from being a father uh, you know uh, being a husband um, some of my uh uh, spiritual, you know, journeys that I've gone on, and, uh, and and it's called meditating while I'm drunk because that's what I used to do years ago. Uh, is is I, I, I you know I always have loved meditating. I've meditated for 25 years, and there was a certain point where I also I, you know loved drinking, right. and uh, and 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 I thought, well, I, I can combine the two. And there's no problem there. And so I would just, you know, I had, I had, I knew when I was going to meditate during the day. If I happened to have been drinking at that time, I meditated anyway. And then the meditation fell by the wayside for a few years there because it really got in the way of me, you know, remaining, <laughs> remaining, uh, you know, inebriated. So, right. <laughs> uh, but then, then the meditation won out. Now, now, how did you get into meditation? Because, you know, you say you've been doing it for years, and right now meditation is something that, you know, 
people are doing. You know how we have phases. But, oh, yeah. But how did you find it? Because you seemed to start it a while ago when yeah. people weren't doing it. Yeah. Um, well, again, I, I used to teach yoga. So that's the that was sort of my uh, entree to, to meditation. Um, but I found... Uh, um, I was working on a job, and uh, you know, I've, look, I have a lot of alcohol and drugs in my past. So, so I was working on a job, and I wasn't drinking or using. And I thought this is the perfect time to learn meditation. I went and I learned this technique, um, and uh, and I, it was TM, and uh, learned that, and that worked for you know a while until you know the that the beast rose up again, and uh, and then. When I got sober, which was like 20 years ago, um, a friend of mine was involved in Zen meditation, uh, in the Zen community, named Michael O'Keefe. Do you know Michael? Yeah, it's Danny Noonan. Yeah. And so, great actor. Uh, so, yeah, so Michael was on his uh, path to become a, a Zen priest, actually, and he had turned me on to some uh, Catholic nuns back in Baltimore who taught Zen. And so I sat with them for a couple of years while I was in Baltimore those last years, and then uh, continued it when I came out here, and uh, uh, then when I was married and I started having the kids, then the kids became the teachers, <laughs> and I, uh, you know, just kept meditating on my own for many years, and periodically going with different teachers now. And right now, I actually uh, one of my the side things I do is I teach meditation. Oh, that's cool. Now, now, yeah. when will the book be done? Do you, you, how far are you into it? Oh, I'm I'm fairly far into it. So so my hope is that it, is at the 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 uh, end of May. Okay. And I'll launch the website, and it'll just be a whole big thing that happens. Now, yeah. now you said the web series you're working on. Yeah. Now, what is that about, and how did you get the idea for it? Oh, uh, a, well, a buddy of mine and I we would get together and have these talks. He's an incredibly funny man. And, uh, you know, it would always come around to the, uh, you know, the, what is it, the, you know, the thorny uh, spiritual path and what happens on that path and what happens when you are, as I've been and, you know, have been somewhat misguided or having a misconception about, you know, we thought the path went this way and no, it didn't go that way, it went this way. And so it's basically it's these two guys that have come up with this idea of how to become enlightened, and they uh, they they decide that this is a good way to do it. And every time they try this one thing, it doesn't work out the way they thought they would, but they stick to it. Um, and they you know they get arrested, they uh, you know they get kicked out of uh, you know shopping centers. They oh, a lot of things happen. So that, it's that's what it is. It's really it's 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 it touches on everything I both love and uh, am not fond of in terms of the whole spiritual world. And now you guys both write it, or who directs it, or how's that? Work? No, I, I I wrote it, and he's no longer he's no longer involved in it just because he's been so busy. So now I've uh, I've got someone else who's uh, who's involved, and we're now we you know now we do that kind of collaborating dance of him adding some things and me taking some things from because it's a different actor and that, that was based on the one guy and now we're basing it on someone else so so we're, so hopefully that's going to be in the middle of uh, the middle of summer and uh, and so we'll have I'll have a lot of different things all you know that thing that I talked about when I left uh, um, 
commander-in-chief. I'll have a lot of different things going on all at once. See, that's good. You know, and I, I, I liked you on Resurrection, and I was bummed when that show got canceled. I thought, I thought you, you might have come back. Mm. Yeah, I did. I think I did four episodes of that. They were going to have me back for a couple of more, and then I just never heard back from them. And then I heard that the, the series got canceled, and uh, I really liked. I liked that show. I liked the people involved in it. Some really good people. And your yeah. character was good. You were, you were, you were sort of, you know, you were sort of a, a you know, you seemed like a real nice guy, but you were sort of a, a vengeful, a vengeful chap. Well, now, Steve, <laughs> we, I was being, I was being manipulated by my grandfather. <laughs> so, so he was sort of pulling the strings a little bit. That's all I have to say. Now, have, now I, I like to ask my guests to this. Have, have you been killed on TV or movie? Ever been killed? I've never been killed. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. Now, what's it like getting stabbed? I mean, is it is it is it weird because you're bleeding and it's not really a night? I mean, how did they do that? Well, uh, so, so 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 they they either have a retractable knife or they have a knife that uh, if it can, if they're if if they're making a slicing motion on your hand. It's got some sort of, you know, blood on it, and it's a dull knife. So that's, you know, and then if it's the retractable knife, then I get to do a, a, a great deal of overacting okay. when it goes into my, uh, <laughs> my body part and, uh, and, and elicit a lot of oohs and ahs. And, um, but, the one, but, but the first time that I, I was ever shot, the person who was the prop guy who put these, you know, these bags on me that explode, you know, the remote control Bags that explode. It was his first time, <laughs> and so I did this movie called Delusion, and you can still see it on the on the take that they used. I get shot, and the reaction is so I'm stunned. My face is stunned. I actually jump forward <laughs> out of the pain of it. Then I realize, oh, I've got to play like I'm being shot, and then I do my overacting bit. But the first one is the pure reaction of an actor who just knows that something went wrong that's funny <laughs> and they kept that they kept they, that one. of course they keep that one yeah uh, we're running out of time but uh oh i just want to mention this, this is we, we have a little time we like five minutes left i uh i just did, i did a movie at the end of last year called purge three okay i don't know if you saw any of the the purge films i know of them but but it's a terrific movie. It's not my style of movie at all. I, ne I, I still haven't seen the first two. I got the when, when they showed me the script of the third one, I went, I don't do this kind of stuff. I don't like these movies. And I read it and I went, that, that's something interesting. I'm going to do that. Uh, James DeMonico, who wrote it and directed it, is an incredibly smart guy. The first two films made a bunch of money. Right. And they have, a, and it's a great premise. And, uh, and I play a a delicious character, a bad guy, a delicious character in this. So uh, if anyone who's listening is interested in those kinds of uh, uh, things, go see Purge 3. It opens on July 4th. Now, do you like playing the bad guy? Yeah. And delicious. What makes him delicious? Oh, well, I, uh, let's see. How much can I say? Okay, and, don't just, just make yeah, a little, give a little character what makes study. delicious? Is that he's, uh, you know, he's he's a minister who's who gets to speak in tongues. Ooh. 
and he and uh, and he's there's nothing there's nothing that you can say about him that is uh, redeeming. There's nothing redeeming about this guy. And 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 I feel like I'm a, I'm being a really really poor role model for my daughters. Okay. Uh, because my older daughter has now, with glee, has said to me, "I love Draco Malfoy. He's my he's my kind of guy." And I went, "What? Harry Potter? Harry Potter? No, Draco. Dad, you know what it's like to play villains. You play villains most of the time. They're great. So I've really messed up here." No, no, that's but at least really you, you got to say, "Hey, I'm acting. I'm acting." You know, it's like it's like that. And now, now, uh, do you want to direct anymore? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna direct. I'll, I'll direct some of these uh, web series. That's cool. These episodes. And now, now you said you're a basketball fan. Are, are you following yeah. the NBA finals? Oh my gosh! It's so. I mean, it's right now. It's a little bit sad, right? Because Stephen Curry's injured badly, uh, out for a couple weeks, and and potentially Chris Paul is done for the season. And uh, I don't like seeing people get injured because right. I like everyone being at full. I just like everyone being full strength, and let's see what you know. But but that's that's the way the you know that's what happens with the game, and I, it's been a pretty exciting playoff. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I'm going to tell you something. Every year, those Spurs just do uh, not they, cease to amaze. I think they're going to win it all. Aren't they unbelievable? They Tim Duncan is like the quietest guy with yeah. so many rings that it's just he, it's there's it's amazing. Yeah, watching them move the ball around. Uh, the court, uh, you know, and they're, it's incredible. I, and I love their, co- I love their coach. Love him. He knows what he's doing, and, and he he doesn't give a crap what people or the NBA I says. Hired the first female assistant. Exactly. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. I, they, I I like that. I like what they've done through the years. I mean, that they've maintained that level for so long. Yeah, it's incredible. Who's going to win it all? What's your well, pick? Real quick, we gotta get a pick. Okay, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna say Cleveland. You think? Oh, wow. Okay, that's that's. He's gonna show people you I, heard Miami, it first. Miami, Miami is my dark horse. Okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, it's it's always good, and uh, and I'll probably I watch it towards the end of the finals. But I'm a hockey guy, as I said. We'll so. we'll uh, we'll message each other about uh, about our predictions, it, and you think it's gonna be the Spurs? I think it's gonna be the Spurs. I just because I just I don't know. I just think because. They were what you the Spurs don't aren't going to lose at home. That's all it is. Yeah. So, anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you so much. We I had, had we had to uh, you know shuffled around a little bit. You know, you were away, and then you had to do reshoots, and I had the studio closed, but it all worked out. Now, do you tweet? You know, periodically I do. And what's your Twitter handle? What is it? I think it's KIC Core. Okay, and uh, are you on Instagram or any other social media? Uh, Facebook. Okay. Well, there you go. So, yeah. people, check him out. Go to Kyle Secor. It's uh, S-E-C-O-R. Go to his IMDb page. And then go back and watch the stuff he's been on. And you'll go, wow, I heard him on Cooper Talk. And follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot, especially during the politics. I tweet jokes. So don't send me, like, stupid crap back saying, oh, you're an idiot. Because they're jokes. They're not my political views because I don't want to do that. Follow me. I'll go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have uh, 503 episodes up on there. And you can email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. And now that I'm recording out of home, my guest pool has expanded majorly, people. So I'm going to get a lot of people. I'm getting some music guests because they're usually hard to get because they don't live in L.A. So do that. Follow me on Instagram, 
That's Cooper Talk One. And if you play Word with Friends, I love the Words with Friends. I think one of my listeners started playing me last week. I don't know who this person was, and they just suggested to play. It's Cooper Talk One. And don't forget my cookbook. Go to StopTheSalt.com. That's StopTheSalt.com. Buy it from me instead of Amazon because I make more money, and I will sign it. So check out Kyle's body work. Keep listening to Cooper Talk. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and have a great weekend. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Steve.